We're back with another episode of Fight Night, uh, review of Fight Night, uh, Hermanson versus Vittori. Great night of fights, but before we get started, if you haven't checked out the interview with uh, Brendan Fitzgerald that we posted yesterday, go check it out. I'll probably link it in the description. But Daniel, how are you doing? Hey man, happy to be back. Happy to be talking some, uh, talking some fights. You know, we did that interview with Brendan Fitzgerald. That was a great time, but when it really comes down to it the this this show is all about talking fights and that's exactly what we're back to do and this is what we're going to do starting now we're going to go over one fight in the prelims well let's talk about john volante's figure a little bit he didn't have the beer gut he looked a lot better this time but jake collier coming out with the win what were your thoughts on this one yeah volante looked a lot better he looked like a guy that the guy that we said if he got like that he could be really good in this division but jake collier just had so much volume in this fight and controlled the pace so much. He threw 277 strikes, 272 of them, if they had landed, would have been significant. And 123 of his 126 landed were significant. So Jake Collier went out there. Neither one of them were efficient. They both uh, landed at less than 50%. Uh, but Collier just threw a ton of strikes. And when he did, there was some force behind it. Yeah, definitely. Um well, John Vellante still has a place to find his to find his place in the division. I will give him this: eighty of his eighty-one total strikes were significant. As were, I mean, for Collier, one hundred twenty-three of his one hundred twenty-six were significant. So these two guys were slinging leather. But Vellante, he still has some stuff to figure out in this division. But I think Jake Collier can make a little run in this division if he can kind of. He won't get to title contention, I believe, but if he can figure out how to piece together wins, I think he could be a top ten, top fifteen contender. What do you have to say? I think so. I think that's certainly in the cards for him. He's got a ton of potential. And a lot like what we've talked about with Tanner Bozer, he's got a fighting style that you don't see a ton in this division. And that honestly can bode well for you moving up. Definitely. All righty. To the other fight in the prelims that we're going to talk about, Ilya Topuria versus Damon Jackson. Man, I don't. when I saw him fight – What's his face, Salal, a couple months ago, I'm like, dang, he has really good grappling. I did not expect his stand-up game to be this good. His shots to the body were debilitating to Damon Jackson. What were your thoughts on his performance? Yeah, Tepori was right after him. And when you talk about guys' strikes sounding like gunshots going off, uh, those body shots that he was throwing at Jackson sounded like gunshots going off in the apex. And, yeah, that's going to be – uh, that's going to be amplified by it being an empty arena, but that was absolutely insane, the force that he was putting behind that. And so Poria is a guy that we talked about ESPN's top 25 under 25. He was on that list, uh, but I think him all the way down at 17 might have been uh, pushing him down a little bit too far. I'm really excited to see what he's able to do moving forward. I am too. Uh, I think Damon, for Damon Jackson, he's been around a while. I think he'll stay kind of in the same position he was coming in before here, but 
we got to talk about uh, Taporia. I think he could be a force in this division. I think he could contend for a title in a couple of years. I like what he has. He has great grappling and clearly great stand-up game, too, from what we saw Saturday. Who would you like to see him fight next? That's a really good question. Honestly, I don't really know because he was so dominant in this fight. And it was, you know, still a prelim, still him trying to work his way up in this featherweight division. I'm not entirely sure who you throw him out there against. I think it would be nice to see him get a top 15 opponent. I'm not sure he will right away. Uh, But uh, just to look around, honestly, I'm going to ask you the same question because uh, with with prospects like this, it's so hard to figure out how the UFC is going to push him forward. But Taporia was so dominant against a veteran in Jackson on Saturday. I could see him getting somebody in the top 15. I could too. Maybe a Ryan Hall. I mean, he's he's clearly extremely, extremely skilled. And I'm excited to see where his career goes. But with how many people are on the roster and how – we'll get into that later after we review with the cuts and everything. But – and with – I don't know. It's in the house stack this featherweight division is. He's just another great addition to an already stacked division. So I don't know who he'll fight next, but I'm sure it'll be good. All right, on to the main card. Matt Wyman versus Jordan Levitt. Not too much to talk here. Uh, Jordan Levitt landed one strike, got the double, and slammed Jordan Levitt with authority, to say the least. Uh, Knocked him out cold. He put his forearm on his neck, and we, we knew what he was doing when he did that. There's not much to say, but I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, there's there's not much to because this was uh, as quick a knockout as you're going to see. 22 seconds, extremely impressive, uh, just a dominant performance straight out of the gate. Yeah, for sure. Um, Jordan Levitt, he didn't really prove too much, so I don't know how he'll get a better competition. But we might see him. He's he his wife's pregnant, so we won't see him until 2021 probably. But Matt Wyman, he, I think he's a good uh, prospect guy. Throw him to the prospect. He's been around for out years. So it's it's interesting for both of these guys. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. No, it, it's just it, – you're right. It's interesting to see where these two go from here. Yeah, for sure. All right, to the next bout, Roman Delize versus John Allen. For some reason, the stats aren't popping up, but Roman Delize really dominated this fight, to say the least. Um, I th- Was this the fight that someone gave John Allen the win? I believe so. And, and head, I, it was the same judge who scored Felder over RDA. So this this guy needs to get out. Let's be honest here. But Roman Delize, I mean, his, he had took him down, just controlled him, many submission attempts. He had three submission attempts, uh, a lot of heel hooks, leg locks. Um, he looked very impressive. And he, after the fight, he said he was going to try and go down to 185. He seems pretty big for that. I don't know what you have to say, but what were your thoughts on this? Yeah, that would be that would be an interesting move for Delize because, like you said, he's a big dude with a lot of bulk to him. So I don't know how that weight cut would go, uh, but it's it's certainly interesting. He looked really good in this fight, and if he can go down and keep the strength that he has while still being quick, more power to him. This was a really strong performance for him, a really strong three rounds. And, I mean, he's, I guess you could say, one of the elder statesmen of this division, but he came out and did exactly what he needed to do against John Allen. He came in as a favorite, and he walked away as the winner. For sure. I'm, for John Allen, I don't know what's really next for him. It's kind of tough. Um, well, we, we're not going to talk about Delize because we already discussed that. But when we talk about John Allen, 
it's, he's in an interesting position. I don't really, it's hard to tell what's next for him. Uh, it was a pretty dominant loss, so to speak, but he's still somewhat young, and I think he, he can probably piece something together, maybe be a good gatekeeper for the division in the future, but I don't really see where his career is going to go. What do you have to say? Yeah, I'm not sure what you do if you're John Allen going from here. Uh, how do you saw a suspension that he was coming off of, hadn't fought in quite a while, and he takes a pretty dominant loss here? Well, that sums that one up. All righty. Two, uh, a thrown hands vet, Justin Jane suffering his second consecutive loss. Uh, coming, He was coming off a loss against uh, Tucker. I think so. Something like that. I can't remember his name. I know he's Canadian. But now he – you know, he comes into this fight against uh, Gabriel Benitez. Uh, we're looking, he says he, he, then he just took a knee to the solar plexus and it was kind of over from there. Gabriel Benitez looked phenomenal though. You know, his, his striking was crisp. Just an overall great performance by Benitez. Uh, what do you have to say about this one? Benitez looked great. I know Justin James is a favorite of ours, one of our favorite interviews on this show. Uh, but Benitez just completely outclassed him, to be honest. He he went right after him in the first round. Like you said, that knee stung him, and it was really over from there. Uh, Benitez looked great. He looked like a guy that could make something happen. And Justin James, I mean, no reason to hang your head coming off of your second loss in a row. He's still a guy with talent. He's still a guy with pl- a place on the roster. Uh, but Benitez just had really one of the more dominant performances we saw all night. Yeah, he really did. And I think uh... – it, I think it'd be in Jane's best – talking about what's next for these guys. I think it'd be in Justin's best interest to move down to 145. He's a big – he's already a big he, – he went down to 145 to fight uh, his last opponent. I, I, I got to look up his name. But he – I think he's strong. He's a little bigger for that division. And I think he can make a little headway in that division, in my opinion. Yeah, Tucker, that's right. So I think that'd be in his best interest to move down, uh, go down to 145, and I think he can make some noise there. Uh, what do you have to say about that? I would tend to agree with that. Like you said, he's a big guy for, for this division, and he would be able to move down. And if as long as he would be able to keep the power in his hands, because that's really what makes a difference uh, for him as just a guy who you can look at as a defensive wrestler and someone that can thrive on the ground and someone that can finish you with the hands. So – if he's able to go down and keep the power, absolutely. I, I think going to 145 would be a great move for him. And what do you think is next for Benitez? Gabriel Benitez, uh, I mean, these are two guys that are both kind of f- trying to find their footing, but Benitez looked great in this fight. So a finish this quick, you would think a guy has a quick turnaround. Lightweight division, you can find a place uh, in there fairly easily for him to take a step up. Top 15, maybe? I, I'm not really sure uh, because Benitez has been around in the UFC for a little while, just kind of waiting for that opportunity, and he may have made it for himself after knocking off Justin James and doing it so dominantly. Well said. Not even going to add anything to that. All right. To uh, Jamal Hill, man. He looked fantastic against OSP. OSP was clearly the bigger fighter. Uh, Jamal Hill is clearly a natural 205-er. He probably didn't have to cut any weight. But, you know, he came out in the first round. He looked a little off. But the second round, he was picking and choosing his strikes. And it was beautiful to watch. And uh, Herzog had to step in while OSP was still standing because he would have been knocked down probably with a couple more punches. But Jamal Hill, man, he's he, I think he'll be a force in this division for years to come. What do you have to say about this? Yeah, I thought going into this that Jamal Hill might have been pushed too hard 
to be in a position like this, taking on a veteran in, in Owen St. Brew and, and being the co-main event on a fight night card this early in his career. But he went out and was absolutely dominant. And, and he did it against a guy that is as experienced as anyone in the light heavyweight division. So uh, to take a guy in OSP, knock him out quickly in the second round and do it as clinically as Jamal Hill did, and he didn't just have to bull rush him and, and flatten him early, that's really impressive. The fact that he was able to get to a second round against a guy that is such a veteran and still knock him out at that point, that's, that's really impressive and shows a lot for him at this point in his career. Absolutely. So let's hover over the rankings. I think OSP's kind of just, I think his best thing is to become a gatekeeper for the division. Um, he's, he's still very good, but he's not obviously going to contend, in my opinion, ever again for a title unless some miracle happens. But uh, I don't know. What do you have to say about OSP and where he stands in this division right now? Certainly a place for him. He's one of the, at this point, one of the most veteran fighters in the entire UFC. And he's fought at a very high level, and he's going to be a great challenge for some up-and-comers. A lot like Jamal Hill, but uh, some more guys in the future. And for Jamal Hill, I, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. But with a lot of the guys in the in the division are already matched up. Uh, but, hey, I think I, think I want to see him fight Kroot. That's just me. I love Jimmy Crute personally, and That'd I think great. that's a fight to make. That'd be absolutely great. So I take I, it you I agree. Can't disagree with you. All righty. Can't disagree huh? with you. <laughs> to the main event, fireworks to say the least. I think. I I think you said Emerson. I said Vittori, but you couldn't have gone wrong with either. But Marvin Vittori, man, I think he proved that this split decision loss against Israel Adesanya was not a flop. He's clearly an elite fighter in this division. And, I mean, I think they combined for the most significant strikes in a middleweight fight. Or they, 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 they set a record of some sort. But these two guys, oh, it was I, – I don't think it's a fight of the year. But if you, if you said it was your fight of the year, I wouldn't argue with that. It, the output was nuts. And these two guys were going at it. Jack or Manson after getting knocked down in the first round. Came back and showed what he was made of. But he came, out, he came away with the loss. What were your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, this fight was insane. And Victoria's a guy that in the past has been looked at mostly as a grappler, mostly as a guy that makes things happen on the ground. But he threw 376 strikes in this fight. Said a lot of people thought that split decision loss to Israel Adesanya a couple years ago was a, a fluke for Vittori. I don't think it is. I think he's legitimately one of the best guys in this division. For sure. So – uh, let's talk about what's next for these guys. Jack Armance is still a threat in this division, obviously. I, you can't knock him. I mean, Marvin Vittori proved that he's a top-five guy. Um, seeing that number five makes me sad, but uh, we'll get to that later. But I think the fight to make is uh, – I think when Till comes back, I think it's still Armance versus Till. I think that's still a great fight to make uh, for both of these fighters. And I think uh, Vittori said he just wants Costa. And I think Dana White said he likes that fight. So what do you have to say about what's next for these two guys? Yeah, I think that's a perfect fit. I think Hermanson Till, no reason to not make that fight. Two guys that are still looking at contendership at this point. And then Vittori wants Costa, give him Costa. Because those are, uh, obviously, Adesanya wasn't really challenged by Paulo Costa. But he was by Vittori. And if Vittori can beat Paulo Costa, he's right there with the best guys in this division. For sure. All righty, to some news. Um, when I said I'm sad about five, 
it's 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 a sad day. It was a sad day for throwing hands on Friday. Yo, Romero got cut. It was it was brutal to see. <laughs> it was it's not fair. It's not fair. And, and it's look, not fair. It's not fair. He he's our logo for crying out loud. Anyway, when we talk about when we talk about the cuts, the problem is Dana White uh, on the contender series is bringing four or five guys in from each thing. I'm like, in the beginning, it was like two, maybe three. And that's the problem. He, he doesn't have enough like salary cap or whatever it is, it is in the UFC to bring about something with these guys. And it's just, it's just weird. It's just weird. Do you have any news you'd like to talk about or do you want to speak on the cuts? I think this is a reality of what we're seeing in 2020 because like you said, Dana White's bringing a ton of people in off the contender series, but also the UFC has had a good 2020. They were the only game in town for quite a while. Uh, We talked about that a ton earlier in the year as we were reviewing all these fight cards, Uh, but guys like Yoel Romero that are making probably making a lot of money and are already 44 years old, then yeah, they're going to be cut from the roster. And I think, from what Dana White has said, we're going to see a lot more of that before the end of 2020. And I think that's just really uh, a reality of what we're going through right now in, in everything that's gone on this year. I mean, the UFC, I'm sure, has had TV ratings go up, but they're still not selling tickets to any of these fights. So they're not getting that kind of revenue. So there's less money to go around. So there's less salary to go around for people on the roster and that's that's a sad reality but it's a reality of what's going on with the COVID-19 pandemic honestly Bill Romero he's 44 years old he's shaved more than likely I'm assuming he's going to go to Bellator and just tear people limb from limb for the next two or three years and I'm I would be happy to see that happen I'm all for that I'm all for that but let's talk about more what's going on um you have the last fight night of the year on the 19th has been uh, extended to 16 fights. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of fights. Oh boy. There's a lot of, there's been a lot of cancellations in the past two weeks. And I guess um, they're like, you know what? Let's put a lot of them on the last card of the year, but oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> um, I can't believe we're even talking about this, but Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather boxing in a match. And sometime in February. Yep. This is what boxing's become, unfortunately. It appears so. Appears so. It appears so. Watch it be a draw. But <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know. This is. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that a bunch of people are going to get hyped up for because they think it's going to be a legitimate spectacle, and then they're going to come out with the rules like a week before the fight and it's going to completely nerf anything that's going to happen, and they're going to circle each other for six rounds, and it'll be over. Yeah, I completely agree with I'm, you there. That, like, that's uh, just what it seems like it's going to be to me. Yeah, nothing's going to happen. Um, Gaslam versus uh, – what's his face? Uh, Heinish has been scheduled for, a, a, I think, the same fight night as Holloway versus Cater, so that's going to be a good one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been pretty low in the news lately, except for the cuts. but. I don't know. Do you have anything else to add? I got nothing for you. All righty. Well, that'll do it for us here. Danny, I want to thank you for coming back on. It's always a pleasure. Yes, sir, as always. All right, and we'll see you guys for a preview of UFC 256. You don't want to miss it.